Welcome to Reception Insider. My name is Kathy Back and I'm the RACGP Faculty Manager for Tasmania. And I'm Ann Davis, Faculty Manager at New South Wales and ACT. Our topic today is the first one in a series on the RACGP accreditation standards. We will focus on the role that you as a receptionist can work on with your practice manager and the team to achieve the standards required for accreditation. Cathy, I thought we might just say a few words about the concept of accreditation before we start. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Okay, so the RACGP developed the Standards for General Practice with the specific consideration to safety for patients and for practice teams. They are a way for a practice to demonstrate the quality of what they do. And the standards, well, they virtually cover everything, every activity in the practice. Yeah, and I think, Anne, also it's a way of continually improving the standard of the services and products that we deliver to our patients. I think you're right. So it's continual improvement. And I guess that's where the standards support practices to identify and address any gaps in their systems and processes. And as you say, then there can be some quality improvements. So let's just look at the standards themselves. And when we look at the actual document called Standards for General Practice, there are three main areas that we're looking at. The first thing is the standard. That's the very big heading. The next one is the criterion. And then the third one is the indicators or are the indicators. I'll just walk through what each of those mean. And I'm going to use an example, which is the one that we're talking about today. So standard one is communication and patient participation. So that's really quite broad. But then underneath that standard, are, if you think of the next level of detail, and there are a number of things called criterions. And for example, criterion 1.1 is information about the practice, which fits nicely. So these are really like little subtitles, aren't they? Yes, yes. Under the main standard. That's right. So we've got the standard and then the subtitle criterion. That's a good way of looking at it. Under the criterion are a series of items called indicators. And for the one that we've just described is our patients can access up-to-date information about the practice. So what the practice needs to think about is how can they meet this indicator? And the lovely thing about the standards is it actually gives you how to meet the indicator. And it gives it in two different ways. One is those things that the practice must do. For example, make practice information available to the patient. But then also there's a whole series of things the practice could do. For example, have practice information on the practice website. So the must, definites and the coulds, oh, well, this is just one way that you may be able to reach that indicator. When your practice has its accreditation visit, the surveyors that come and look and talk to you, they'll be looking for those things to meet the indicators. They'll be looking for the musts and the coulds. So hopefully this series, Cathy, will help practices, both the receptionists and the managers, find those musts and coulds. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I know from my experience is when you know an accreditation audit is coming up, everyone panics and mm. gets really anxious about it. And really, there's no need to be nervous about this. The standards are outlined in such a clear way 
that if in the preparation time before the, particularly the first time you have an audit, if you just systematically work through each of the standards with the practice manager and all the team, it's not difficult to put everything in place. If you go systematically through the standards, it's not that difficult to make sure that you have all the requirements in place. So it's not something to be feared, which a lot of people do fear um, audits. It's a way of improving your practice and it's a way of demonstrating what a great practice you are. So it's really just, it's ticking off those musts, the things that you must do to meet the indicator, and then having a look at the coulds and deciding which ones you actually want to do. Absolutely. That's very clear. So the first standard is called communication and patient participation. So Anne, do you want to talk a little bit about what this is? Thank you. So look, this is a very important standard as it it really underpins everything we do in general practice. And the reception team really feature highly in this need for excellent communication with patients. From the moment the patient picks up their phone to book an appointment or goes online to book an appointment, to their arrival into the clinic, checking in, waiting to see the doctor, actually having the consultation and then coming out, paying and possibly rebooking. Good, clear communication that is patient-centred is of really great importance. Patient-centred communication means that the practice team considers the patient's values, needs and preferences and gives the patient time to provide input and participate actively in decisions regarding their health care. So this communication needs to include written communication as well as verbal communication. And as we've spoken about before, can use interpreters and that includes sign language interpreters and must also consider the communication needs of the carers and really any other person that's relevant to the patient's care. Indicator 1.1 is our patients can access up-to-date information about the practice. So at a minimum, this information contains our practice's address and telephone numbers. And also our consulting hours and details of arrangement for care outside of normal operating hours. I think that outside of normal operating hours, contact details is really important for patients. That's right. You know, who, what to do if you become ill overnight mm. or on Sundays, which often seems to be the case when you have young children. <laughs> so, yes. Also, it should contain our practices billing principles. Are we a fully bulk billing clinic? Are we a mixed billing clinic mm. or fully privately billed? Yeah. And it should also have a list of practitioners. And I think that's really an important thing because often patients are looking for someone that's going to care for them and they might want to read a little bit about those doctors, those practitioners, before making that very first choice. And also some of the doctors may have special interests in, say, women's health or sports medicine or skin. So Mm. having that information available helps people to make the best choice of a doctor that would suit them. And even language is spoken. Absolutely. Yes, that's a great one. And we also should include our practices communication policy, including when and how we receive and return telephone calls and electronic communication. Do we accept emails? Do we respond to emails? All those sorts of things are very important. It also should include our practices policy for managing patient health information. 
or its principles and how full details can be obtained from the practice. And the other thing that it needs to include is how to provide feedback or make a complaint to the practice. It's very important that we make this very easily accessible to the patients. And often, as you were talking about quality improvement processes earlier, often complaints can give the opportunity for improving some of our activities. And then another thing that needs to be included in our practice information is details on the range of services that we provide. And again, that's so the patient can really make an informed decision. They don't want to be coming for maybe a skin check, but then finding that that particular doctor or that particular practice doesn't provide that service. It also should include things like, is there a physiotherapist that comes to the practice? Is there a podiatrist, you know, practice nurses, INR testing, childhood immunisations, all those kinds of additional services that practices can provide that really value add to the patients. So I think that's important as well. And also often practices have visiting specialists what days they come, how to actually make the appointment with those providers as well. Yeah, and I know particularly in Tasmania, which is, you know, we have a lot of very rural areas, we have things like the Royal Flying Doctors Service might come to one of the Bass Strait Islands. So all those sort of little extra services that come in, it's very important that we let the patients know clearly when all those services will be available. It's also worth checking whether your practice has a website and making sure that it's kept up to date and clearly shows your opening hours, details of your address, billing procedures and who your doctors are and clearly states how to contact your practice. It's important to have it on the website and potentially even an online booking. All that information needs to be very clear and kept up to date on the website. But also, is there an information sheet a written sheet that you can give to your patients if requested, because not all patients are going to be computer literate and able to look up a website. So you need both the written and the digital if possible. I think everything you're saying, Kathy, is where the receptionist can really support the manager in that firstly, knowing about all this information or at least knowing where to find it. But then the receptionist's role is taking consideration to each patient and determining, okay, what is the best way for me to convey this information to the patient? Just as you've said, not everyone will want to look it up on the website, but the receptionist may decide that, oh yes, a hard copy is best to offer, but also, you know, maybe it should be in a different language. Maybe I should also give one to the person that's acting as a carer. So there's a whole range of ways that receptionists can really support the practice in meeting this particular criterion. The receptionists could also take it upon themselves to say once a month, look at the website and go through every single page and make sure everything is up to date. Because sometimes the practice manager might get busy and that could just slip past their attention. So just checking regularly and making sure that it's someone's job possibly to do that and make sure that everything is up to date. That's very important as well. And just along that same line, receptionists are in the reception area and in the waiting area more than any other staff member. And, you know, if the posters aren't current or they're starting to look a bit ratty on the wall or if they notice that on the on-screen information something's a little bit out of date, just letting the practice manager know would be really supportive. Absolutely. No, that's a great way that the reception staff can be involved. So that brings us to the end of this podcast on Criterion 1.1. And so again, to each receptionist, keep doing what you do.
Thank you. Thank you.